Hello, friends. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. I'm your host, Heidi Ganahl, a wife, mom of four, CU Regent, and the founder of Camp Bow Wow and The She Factor. With a passion for keeping the spirit of our state alive and well, I started this podcast to bring the people of Colorado together to celebrate the amazing state we call home. Come along on this journey with me as I travel across our old country roads in my vintage RV, interviewing folks that embody the true spirit of the Rocky Mountains. From the Front Range to the Mile High City to the Wild West of Southern Colorado, we'll celebrate the history, beauty, and Coloradans that make this place the colorful state it is. Each week, you'll meet people trailblazing the way for an even more colorful future for us all, making a huge difference along the way. Are you ready for a Rocky Mountain ride? Let's do this, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. Today, we're just north of Boulder at Jack's Solar Garden. It's a beautiful day, and we're going to give you a tour in a little bit, but I wanted to introduce you to Byron, who heads up Jack's Solar Garden. So happy to have you here. Thanks, Heidi. I'm excited to tell everybody your story and how this evolved. So why don't you start from the beginning and talk about um, how this came about? Sure. Uh, the idea for Jack Solar Garden came about after I moved back to the States, moved out here onto my family's farm. This farm has been in my family since 1972, and my grandfather Jack, who Jack Solar Garden is named after, uh, purchased the land. It was his retirement farmland. Okay. Um, but when I moved out here, I, I started learning more about the economics of haying, that uh, the haying wasn't paying the bills, it, it wasn't helping us out with our utilities mm-hmm. and uh, water rights and all that that we thought it would. And so we needed something else to do. And we talked to Boulder County to figure out a couple different ideas and finally landed on uh, a solar array and worked with the county for quite a while to figure out what it would be like to put one out here. Yeah, this is pretty innovative. So what did the county think at first or how did that evolve? Was it um, everybody all in, like, let's figure this out and make it work? Because it is, it's really important and um, what you're doing here. And I think it's going to be really neat to teach young children and and the local community how this Mm -hmm. evolved and bring them out for the tours we talked about. So how did the process go? Like, how do you just put together a solar garden? (laughs) Well, uh, it it was great working with Boulder County. Uh, It it was originally against the rules to be able to build a solar array on farmland. Uh, But after working with us for over a year, they changed the land use code so that not just our farm, but about at least 50 other farms across Boulder County could do something similar to what we're doing uh, of putting out a solar array on farmland while having crops grow beneath the panels or have a pollinator habitat mixed in with it. Um, so they, they got on board and they were actually our first very large subscriber, which was great. Uh, we've had a handful of other large subscribers that when we walk out there, you'll see some of their banners mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, the city of Boulder helping out. So let's take a step back. How did you get interested in this? Like what's your background? And oh, is this yeah. something you were interested in as a kid or growing up? Uh, no, it was, uh, I, um, I'm an environmental engineer by training, but I never really used that. I, I went into international development and after the last economic downturn in 2008, I just kept finding myself taking jobs in different parts of Africa. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I actually was a diplomat for five years working for the U S agency for international development in Southern Africa, and then moved out here to figure out what we could do with our land and it was more out of necessity for figuring out how to build a solar array, how to have my own business than, than anything else. 
Well, I think that's a lot of entrepreneurs, right? We're, we solve problems. We see something that needs to be figured out, and that's how we do it. Um, tell me a little bit about your day-to-day. Like, how do you manage the, the, the farm, and, and um, mm. how do you spend your time? It, it all depends on the season. So springtime is really busy of being outside, um, getting the water systems up and going, checking the plants, moving plants, planting things. Uh, summertime is managing weeds or any... Uh, any tours or anything else that's going on fall is going to be harvesting and closing things up and then the winter time is the really quiet time but day-to-day activities can range from like this past week i was on a tractor tilling for 16 hours during the week and then other times i was working on financials or doing tours Mm -hmm. having calls with people yeah it's it's different every week that's kind of cool that's fun What's the future look like? Can you expand or mm. do you go to other farms? What do you do? I, I really only want to have Jack Solar Garden. But what we did was we started up a nonprofit arm called the Colorado Agrivoltaic Learning Center, where we bring out uh, school kids as well as community members, different community organizations or companies that want to learn more about mm-hmm. what we're doing here on site. Uh, they can pay for a tour. They come out, they learn about this, and that helps us be able to uh, hire more people to actually work out here. And then eventually what I would love to be able to do is work with other farmers, uh, solar companies, local governments that are interested in figuring out how to do this in their areas. Yeah, one of the things that's neat, and I, I, you'll probably show us this on the tour, that there's so many different uses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the new plants that are being uh, that, that were donated that um, he was telling us about, and then the plants that you're putting in underneath the solar panels, mm-hmm. then you've got the solar energy. Um, tell us a little bit about how this works, like if we wanted to be a subscriber. And mm. I know you're, you're sold out, I think, but mm-hmm. um, he was explaining how it works, like how the, actually the energy gets to the houses of the people who subscribe. And you're talking about my dad, who's my uh, uh, co-owner of Jack Yes, Solar Garden. he was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. He told us not to believe anything he said. But. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're a community solar garden, so we have subscribers that basically pay us uh, a premium to have our power. Mm-hmm. And then they get a bill credit from Excel Energy on their electricity bill on a monthly basis, depending on how much power we produce during that month. Uh-huh. And, you know, during the summer months, it's sunnier, so there's more power being produced. And then during the wintertime, there's less power being produced because it's uh, shorter days. And also this, this spring, it was really cloudy, so we weren't producing as much as we were hoping to produce because... When there's clouds, there's there's no solar electricity being produced. Duh. I know, shame, right? <laughs> um, but uh, as far as the the power being generated here, sun produces the electricity within the panels. It gets directed into Excel Energy's electricity grid. Excel pays us for renewable energy credits, and then they disperse the electricity uh, basically through bill credits on the electricity bills of of different residents, uh, companies, and local governments. All right, so you're an environmental engineer. So one of the questions I asked your dad, and he was like, you better ask Byron about this, <laughs> is how does it actually produce the energy? The solar panel, is it really complicated or can you give us a quick? Oh yeah, um, so there's basically a spacing where there, there's two different atoms. I'm trying to remember which ones they are at the moment, but when the sun hits one of them, it bounces it up to the other side, releasing an electron from it. And then it, it, there's kind of a cascade where more electrons are produced. They run in a line down and uh, the electrons all run out into the electricity grid that we use. And then uh, gravity just helps pull the electro- the, those two atoms back apart so they can get hit by the sunlight again to produce another electron. 
That's and, fascinating. And if I got that wrong, please, please, uh, a couple people can shoot me emails, but please not everybody. <laughs> and we will not judge. <laughs> That's far better than I would have done. Well, how about you give us a tour and show us around a little bit? Is that okay? Yeah, let's go. Okay, great. Okay, we're out in the field. Byron, show us your stuff. Right on. So this is a 1.2 megawatt community solar garden. We have 3,276 solar panels. Um, that's enough power to be able to help out about 300 homes in the area. Let's walk down. Um, on our left hand side, our panels are up about uh, six feet in height, while our panels on the right hand side are about eight feet in height. The differences in these heights are going to be monitored by different researchers that we have out here, mainly the different types of microclimates that are created underneath the panels so we can understand more about uh, how much more soil moisture retention is in one part of the, the solar array versus another part, mm -hmm. or, or what how much light gets underneath uh, the six-foot panels versus the eight-foot panels. And so that type of information can help uh, other farms that want to be able to follow suit with us of better understanding what height panels they need for what types of crops they want to grow. Interesting. Uh, we're working with uh, three different research institutions, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, Colorado State University, and University of Arizona. They uh, have different test plots out here learning about uh, those microclimates, carbon sequestration, uh, different types of vegetable crop production, and how much water is needed for them. <laughs> Um, and we also have Sprout City Farms, that's a nonprofit farming organization out of Denver that is actually going to be cultivating two and a half acres of our land for crop production to be able to put food back into the community. Oh, that's fantastic. So those are the main actors that are hanging out here with us. Um, when we were talking in the podcast a little bit earlier, uh, we were talking about it being a, a community solar garden where we have different clients that have subscribed to our power to help us go. Uh, and here are our largest subscribers from Terrapin, uh, Care Station, In the Flow, Cannabis, Western Disposal, and Premier Member Credit Union. That they all pay a premium for power out here to help support what we're doing, <laughs> and then uh, it enables us to keep going over time. So, w without the support of larger organizations helping out farms like ours, it's hard to do anything like this. What are you going to grow underneath these panels? Oh, uh, for the most part, it's a wide variety of veggies. So I think they have about 30 different types of uh, vegetables that they're looking at from tomatoes and green peppers, lettuce, uh, maybe some potatoes. Uh, I would love to, after some years, they want to they want to work on annuals for quite a while. After some years, I'd love to see more about uh, some perennials like raspberries and blackberries out nice. here as well. That would be fun. That would be tasty. <laughs> And, and you know, since our, our panels are single axis tracking, that means that here we can walk over on this side and you'll see that our panels follow the sun. As we walk towards the shade here, our panels are facing west at the moment. So the shade that we're that you're standing in at the moment actually cycles throughout the land over the course of the day. So we have uh, cameras out here watching the grounds and we can see that shade and light hit every single part of our property over the course of the day. Wow. This just basically reduces the amount of sunlight that crops get, but it also helps to keep that moisture in the soil because there's, uh, there's more shade. That's less evaporation that the, uh, that the soils will experience. Yeah, that's one thing I was thinking about as we're walking is how, how does it get irrigated? I mean, is the water, it, you, you don't have to have like a sprinkler or anything, it's just underground, correct? 
Uh, we don't have it at the moment. We are finishing our irrigation system here in the next two weeks, and we'll have about 15 miles worth of drip tape that we'll be putting out here. Oh, my goodness. I know. That's a lot of space. <laughs> it's a lot of drips. <laughs> But it's the, the Colorado Water Conservation Board actually provided us a grant so that we could be able to afford having such a large irrigation system out here. You can hear the, hear it sound like a little yeah. squeaky house. That's the, these actuators here on the side, slowly turning the panels. The, the panels follow the, the sun over the course of the day to maximize uh, electricity production. Nice. Is that a bird nest? Those are bird nests. Oh, yep. nice. Little grackles. 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 We talked to, uh, um, on another podcast recently, we talked to an artist who does murals and she specializes in doing birds. Oh, okay. So I have to ask her about the grackle. No, oh, please do. Are they please pretty? Do. Uh, they're nice little blackbirds. I hear that they're invasive. Oh, um, shoot. But I, I'm not as much of a bird guy as I should be. <laughs> it's okay. You're doing good work. <laughs> Leave that to the other folks. Uh, over here is uh, some equipment that the University of Arizona had. Right now it's out of the ground since I was recently tilling it. Mm -hmm. But here in the next two weeks, we're going to put it back out into the ground. We have soil moisture monitors, uh, light intensity meter, uh, temperature gauge, as well as uh, humidity gauge and soil heat flux meter. Oh my goodness. So that the soil heat flux just measures uh, the temperature of the soil over the course of the day. Okay. Uh, so these things were funded by the National Science Foundation, and we'll put them out within the solar array when he come, when um, Greg Baron Gafford from the University of Arizona comes back out. So we can keep monitoring the, the changes in the soil moisture and all those other things over the course of the day. Um, so he has a setup for the eight foot side, a setup for the six foot side, and you can see down here at the end, uh, there's also a control. And how does how do those track the data? Do they communicate like electronically, or do you have to actually manually measure? There, there's there's a couple different things that happen out here with that. So every 15 seconds, you'll hear a little doo -doo 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 with that, and that's the uh, there's a, a motherboard in there just recording recording the uh, the monitoring of the system, and then somebody can come out here with a little flash drive, basically pop it in, take out that information from however many weeks back it is, and then they can go use that information. Whereas here on this next part, where you can see all these pink and red flags, mm -hmm. this area is operated by Dr. Alan Knapp of Colorado State University. He has a handful of undergraduate students that are looking at uh, soil moisture movement out here. And so they, instead of having a device that records the information, he has undergraduates that come out every couple <laughs> days. And so they, they actually do the physical labor of uh, measuring it. And so there was actually one of the guys was out here about an hour ago doing that. Nice, nice. Put those put those rams to work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, on the outside, you can see around that orange fence is where we have uh, the control unit for the University of Arizona. But to the right-hand side is a beehive. That beehive is from uh, Best Bees. It's uh, uh, basically a, a beekeeping organization out of Boston. That they put up beehives across the country and find corporate sponsors. So this one is sponsored by Google. And uh, what Best Bees will do is they provide some of the honey back to Google. And then they also analyze the honey to determine where like a teaspoon of honey came from. All the different flowers that, that, uh, that the bees visited. And they call it uh, honey DNA. Oh my gosh. So so those are Google cool. bees. Google bees over there. <laughs> On our right-hand side, we have a pollinator habitat that was installed by Audubon Rockies. So you can hear that we have lots of different partners that are working with mm -hmm. us, and that's that's how we make this 
this work. I, I think um, with, with how I have, at least on our entrepreneurial side is, we couldn't have done it without the gravitas of all these other organizations that believed in our vision to help other people believe in us that we can deliver to these organizations. So Audubon Rockies installed over 3,000 perennials, making this the largest Habitat Hero in Colorado. Um, Habitat Hero being a, a space for birds as well as other pollinators to, to find forage and habitat during, oh, that's the, during the course of the year. So, so you're one of the largest in the state? The largest. The largest in the state. Mm -hmm. And also our agrivoltaic system here is the largest uh, research agrivoltaic largest agrivoltaic research site in the country. Now say that again. What's the agrivo? Agrivoltaic. So okay. the combination of agriculture with solar. Got it. Mm -hmm. I think I'll remember that now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you say it though. So what, what kind of maintenance do you have to do with all of this that was planted? Yeah, the uh, habitat. you can see that there's uh, drip lines out here. So at the beginning of the year, I got to put the water back out here. And at the end of the year, I have to winterize it. Then I just check on the system to make sure no rabbits are chewing on things over the course <laughs> of the year. Uh, you'll also notice that there's plenty of bindweed as well as uh, different types of thistle. So I have volunteers that come out on the weekend to help me pull a lot of those or just check on the health of various plants. Are you seeing more and more animals come? Like, is it over time, does it get busier and busier? Or do they know right away that this is here? Uh, you know, last fall we saw quite a diversity of birds just hanging out in that area. Where normally, like on our grass field, we'd only see a, like maybe a couple robins or mm -hmm. some of the birds of prey that are circling over top. But in this area, it provides more, more protection from the birds of prey. Mm -hmm. Similar to underneath our solar panels during the beginning part of the springtime, we saw lots of little ground birds hopping around mm -hmm. and the only thing I could think of is that they they enjoy the shade mm -hmm. and also it helps protect them from hawks. Got it. If you turn around and look back you can see uh, the different heights in the panels. It's a little bit easier that yeah. way. So you have the the torque tube where the panels rotate about. This is about six foot and then down there it's about eight feet. How many panels are there? 3,276. Oh my gosh. I don't know, that's quite a few, right? <laughs> <laughs> and at that far end, we have our education area for the Colorado Agrivoltaic Learning Center. Uh, we have an artist on the farm that will be doing uh, dance programs out there for elementary, middle school, and high school kids uh, starting here in the next few weeks, I believe. And then I have uh, uh, different musicians that will come out over time. We're, we're doing some practice runs this summer, and then hopefully next year we'll be able to do some uh, little music events out, out this way and have people actually sitting underneath the panels enjoying the shade. Oh, that's a great idea. Aaron, how do people find out about these events or the different activities you're doing or if a family wants to come out and do a tour? Yeah, uh, so the Colorado Agrivoltaic Learning Center is the nonprofit arm of Jack Solar Garden that does all the tours. So uh, www.coagrivoltaic.org. I know agrivoltaic, right? So that's <laughs> A-G-R-I-V-O-L-T-A-I-C.org. Okay, good. Uh, Thank yeah, you we'll, for we'll, doing we'll that. We'll get it on the website, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's easy. We'll just put it on the website. You can link to it or Google Jack Solar Garden. It's probably a link. Exactly, okay, exactly. That's where the tours are. <laughs> How often do you do tours? Or You talked about one day a week you do public tours. Yeah, every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., folks can sign up online and come out for a tour. It's about hour long. 
Uh, last weekend we had about 17, no, about 20 people that came out. Nice. Uh, this weekend we're hoping for another 10 to 20 folks that'll come out. And then during the weekdays, uh, some companies are, are signing up for corporate tours as well as different gardening or community organizations that want to come out. Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted to volunteer here. Do you do the same? Just come out for a tour and talk to you or is there a formal program? Yeah, folks can uh, come out for a tour, talk to us, learn more about what we have going on. Or, or shoot me an email and say, hey, I want to come out and help weed for a little while. <laughs> Typically, it's on Sunday mornings for a few hours. Do you give donuts or anything? <laughs> <laughs> if people need some coffee, we'll get them some coffee. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah. thank you for doing this. Is there any last few things you'd like to tell us about the garden? Anything we missed? We don't have a fence. Almost every other solar array that you'll see anywhere else in Colorado has a fence, and we have a pollinator habitat instead. I like that. It's much prettier. <laughs> it is much prettier. Our, our hopes with the Colorado Agrivoltaic Learning Center is that we can show more community members about what it is to incorporate vegetation, uh, birds, bees with solar array, so that hopefully more farms like ours uh, across the state will be able to participate in agrivoltaics too. Do you get a lot of other folks that have farms coming to visit and see what you're doing here? We've had a handful. I've even had calls from people across the country and around the world uh, give me a call and uh, say, hey, you know, we followed you online. It's pretty cool. Can you tell us a little bit more? So that's always nice to hear. And uh, eventually our hopes would be with the nonprofit is to actually reach out to farms, uh, let them know what it's like to work with the utility, local governments, as well as solar developers. So that it makes it a little bit easier for uh, maybe an older family on a farm to better understand what those economic opportunities are. That's great. I mean, lead it to, leave it to Boulder to do cutting edge stuff on this front and you too. That's amazing. And we're so grateful that you're doing this and that you're teaching, you know, your community members and your kids and the kids in the community um, how to make this work. So thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks, Heidi. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on Heidi's Colorful Colorado. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And definitely follow me on Instagram to keep up with my latest adventures. In the meantime, happy trails from me, Heidi Ganahl.